0: This is episode 54 of Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast. We're here to talk about season 3, episode 19 of Teen Wolf, which was called Letharia Vulpina. This week, Karen and I are joined by our friend Kristen, who's a staff member on Hyperball and who has been a guest on this podcast before. So hello, Karen and Kristen. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So how are you both this week?
1: I'm right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the emotional mess I was last week. Oh, that's I know, for sure. right.
0: I'm kind of relieved about that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was that was not not the best uh, I've yeah. ever felt in my life. But, Kristen, you were on last season, or for 3A, uh, yes. on an episode with us. But in case anyone didn't catch that, do you want to tell our fine listeners of this podcast – what you do with us on hypable and what other uh, fandoms that you do?
1: Absolutely. I have been doing coverage of the originals and the vampire diaries. Mm-hmm. Um and so I have a special place in my heart for Lydia's mother, who's also Tyler's mother. <laughs> yes. It's it's a special, special place. Um no, but I cover both of those on Hypeable and then you can also hear me on Vampire Hype. Um and onceable once it comes back. Yeah. Which we're kind of on a hiatus so oh.
0: but yeah. Cool, well, Karen, you're on onceable, yep, yep, cool, very good. Well, that's what we're here to chat about, so it's nice that we have an episode for you that does feature Mrs. Lockwood Martin, um, <laughs> and yeah, I guess that we can we can get into it for Lothario Volpina. So, for our quotes, I'm going to go first in the sake of chronology, because mine was uh, quite early on when Melissa and Scott go to visit Isaac in the hospital. We, you know, they find Alison, who's sort of been sleeping there all night, and I I love that no one has addressed this weirdness out loud, yet, by the way, the whole Alison, Scott, Isaac thing, it's just kind of like, (laughs) whatever, okay. But... You know, she was like, they won't let me see him, you know, because I'm not family. You know, she was like, I told them that he had none, which is very true. We do not know if he's a ward of the state or if he's officially signed over to Melissa or what the hell is his situation there. Or if he's 18 and it doesn't matter. We, we don't actually know. Uh, but Melissa then just says, he's got us and I have a key card, which I just felt like summed up Melissa so nicely in terms of her emotional range if you know what I mean it just number one I was just you know when as soon as Alison was like they wouldn't let me see him because I'm not family my instant thought was but the pack is his family you know of course (laughs) and uh, so of course there was a line sort of addressing that but you know the whole show is very much about found family and uh, you know I'm glad that 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 sort of response was was put in there and though I would have liked to kind of see Melissa fighting with the, uh, you know, administration about found families or something. I I like that, you know, you can go from this kind of emotional indignance to, you know, I'm Melissa McCall and I do what I want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like who
1: needs actual permission? I'm just going to let us in.
0: She's widely renowned as one of the biggest badasses on the show. And, and I, and (laughs) also one of the best emotional characters. And so I felt like that really summed her up in, in one quote. (laughs) I wasn't
2: sure if I was going to be stealing your line this week, but I had to put this one in. Uh, It was when Lydia and Allison go to visit Peter to see what he can tell them about Lydia's powers. And basically, Peter tells her that he was the one that, you know, he bit her and that kind of brought out the Banshee abilities in her. And Peter just says, "I'm the spark that lit your fire, sweetheart." But it wasn't even the line; it was how he said it, and it was just, "Oh my God, he's so dramatic and so over the top and such a cartoonish villain." But that's exactly like what works so well for him. And I keep thinking, Natalie, about how I you were him like
0: to be the drama teacher. Yes, when yes, and Karen I'm like, <laughs> When he showed up in the school, I was like, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening. Um, yeah, I, I seriously, when he sh- I, I was not, I, usually I am Peter's biggest fan. This episode, I was kind of like, not sure I like it. But when he showed up in the school, I was just like, oh, my God, it's happening. Oh, my God, yes. it's happening. But uh, it did not happen, sadly. But... I was so disappointed when yeah. he was like, yeah, he's from the health department. I was or like, something. no. He's the drama teacher. Uh, but yeah, it, seriously, it's it's the greatest idea of all time. I don't know. Jeff Davis clearly doesn't listen to this podcast because if he did, he would have put that idea in. Like, <laughs> he clearly didn't read my article about the five best ideas from the movie that should be transferred into the show because we haven't had Peter, high school drama teacher, and he clearly needs a job. So come on, let's let's go. Um, Let's go with that. Get on it. But he he He's was a he did it he did a beautiful bad South London accent and it was uh <laughs> yeah it was interesting
2: it was just <laughs> marvelous I loved it
0: I think Kristen actually had the one I wanted to steal because Parish is my new boyfriend so
1: well <laughs> Karen stole mine oh. I wrote down I wrote down exactly two quotes while watching this episode and they are mine and Karen's oh. and I was like well. If someone takes my, you know, the one that Karen That's took, fine. I'll use the other one. Mine came from Parrish, who I have an attachment to, because he was on Smallville back in the day. Was he? For all of those. Yes, he was, was um...
0: He, was it? Wouldn't he have been, like, 14? Smallville's yeah. old. Like.
1: Well, he played a little boy who aged really fast. Okay. Um... because it was it was like a kryptonite induced um disease or whatever and so like he aged really funny and it was like eventually like killed him off Uh, he was on for like three or four episodes um and he had like this whole brain thing it was really weird but i love that kid and so seeing him on teen wolf as parish makes me doubly as happy (laughs) Um, but his line to Jared when he was like working on defusing the bomb when he says Jared it would be very helpful if you could resist throwing up on the potential explosive device
0: I (laughs) loved him I loved pretty much he was the highlight of this episode for me he was Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the absolute high point like every line he had like both when he kind of like is you know Sheriff is like we should wait for the bomb squad and he's like bitch please well he wasn't like bitch (laughs) please he was like, like I've done this before and I have two years in the army and like, you know, like he wasn't mean about it, but he was just like really so competent and so ready to get in there. And then when he was inside the whole thing with Jared and, and, you know, when he was like, you look really, you know, handsome, etc. I think actually when we get to that bit, I have a few questions because I think it's, it's popping up some ideas for me and I don't know if it was just him being like a really cool guy like kind of diffusing a situation or reducing stress or if it was like his age is like going to be significant and he's going to be like some supernatural thing but I love him and I need him and he's my favorite character that's been on the show in a long <laughs> time like I think we haven't even seen that much but I just want everything like I, I, I have I feel like I have such a clear picture of who he is and it's going to probably be really wrong but I love yeah him.
1: it was like a, the perfect moment and I think I'm kind of with you I think some of the things he said in that moment are going to turn out to be very important.
0: Yeah. I yeah. Think so, so so we, I. Could, we could be making something out of nothing and it could be like right. a simple, like it could be a simple, you know, this kid's stressed out and he doesn't want to, you know, make the kid more stressed out by being like, oh, you look really young or, you know, whatever. And he knows how to kind of um, calm people down or like lighten them. But I think it might be something. I hope it's something. And I really hope he doesn't <laughs> die. And I really hope he's not evil um yeah agreed. it's okay <laughs> he's not that he can't be that evil because you know karen karen doesn't hardcore love him like she loved matt so he's got that going for him karen yeah saying the other day that she thinks that everyone else just thinks that she's crazy and is silently plotting to kick her off the show because of how much sometimes she just goes on about how much she misses matt karen uh, i'm sorry <laughs> You got problems. No, it's fine. I quite like <laughs> I Matt, know. but he was crazy. Um
1: Yeah. He was so crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway,
1: Wolf Watch made me miss him though. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, how did you like that mm-hmm. Wolfwatch, Karen, with Stephen Lunsford and Haley Webb in it? Your two and, favorite you know evil people.
2: Yeah. I mean <sighs> I mean, I do like Steven. I think he's amazing. I think he was great when he was on the show, but I'm just totally in love with Haley and I was just watching her the whole time because I think her face is so expressive and she is so funny that I was just kind of, yeah, mm. obsessed with her during Wolf Watch.
1: <laughs> I actually quite enjoyed the guy who plays Ennis too, who I did not really like on the show at all, but he was really charming and kind of sweet. I was like, "Oh, and it's-
2: like handsome,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: and without all of the crazy makeup and stuff, right? Yeah,
0: and he's gonna be at ByteCon, so we can admire yes. him there.
1: <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> Even one more reason.
0: Stephen and <laughs> Haley should come to ByteCon too. I'm sure they oh. listen to us every week, and they should uh-huh. take our advice. You know,
2: <laughs> I agree. But jumping right into the episode, it it opens with Dean. He's still there, you guys. He's alive. He's still ticking, and he's actually in Japan, if Wolf Watch is anything to go by. I didn't realize it was Japan. I honestly thought it was still Beacon Hills. So did
0: I? I was like, (laughs) me too. I was like, is there some Japanese lodge in above Beacon Hills? Yeah. I was trying to work it out in my head. I was like, I was going, but why is the statue there? I thought that that was in Japan. Did this guy, like, bring it to his house in that's Beacon Hills to decorate I it? I was, like, having all these convoluted thoughts, and then I was like, oh, no, that's meant to be Japan. Okay. <laughs> Even though it's the exact same view looking out over Beacon Hills. Yeah. I was like, yeah, totally. yeah I was I was having all these convoluted ideas about how it was Beacon Hills. That mm-hmm. was incorrect. And I think the whole opening scene was really tacky B-movie, unfortunately. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know if it was, like, the set or if it was the fact that you could tell it was the same view over Beacon Hills or something, but I I, found that opening scene very strange.
2: I actually really liked the opening scene for what it was, just because it kind of... I don't know, set the mood for the whole episode and it was a little mysterious. We didn't know what was going on at first and then Deaton kind of strolls in and I was I was really excited at first to see him. And I was like, "Oh, finally." And, "Oh, that's really cool. Like he's making a house call." And, of course, I thought it was in Beacon Hills, so I didn't really think much of it. But, like, no, he, he's in Japan now, so that seems kind of significant to me. But, basically, this is the guy who owns the wolf that Deaton is treating, is the son of the Nagitsune that we saw a couple of episodes ago. And Deaton is basically there to get the Letharia vulpina off of that, like, water fountain thing that the Nagitsune died over when he was killed by the Oni. And I don't know what did you guys think once Deaton's plan kind of like was outed. Like he he used the Kanama venom to paralyze the wolf, then he did the same to the guy. Needed all of that to get into the garden to get the moss, and obviously he's gonna use the moss to try to stop Styles, and then it'll But it all seemed very dark and kind of scary for yeah, Deaton.
0: I this is my thing. I'm like, number one, is there no Lotharia vulpina in the entire United States of America? Is it just, like, they know that? Is it only from Nogitsune blood? Like, they said it poisons wolves. Like, they said, like, it does it have to be this Nogitsune blood Lotharia vulpina? Is it, like, a special, special, special type? Yeah, that's I
2: mean, what I interpreted as, like, there's Lotharia vulpina, you know, in other places, but this one was specifically born of the blood of a Nogitsune, so I think it's, like, stronger.
0: yeah. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, they're the Yakuza, so maybe they're not going to be like, oh, sure, come into my garden and take some moss. But, <laughs> like, it did seem, like, really si- sinister. Like, it seemed like they were trying to make it out as as one of the parties, either Deaton or the Yakuza family, in that scene as a bad guy. And I'm like, there's no bad guy here. He he needs the moss. Uh, I don't – it's not like he could have walked in and was like, excuse me, could I, could I have some moss? But – it seemed like someone was going against each other or like either that Deaton was like a super creepy bad guy or that the Yakuza's were bad guys that needed to be tricked. And I just don't feel like either of those things are true. And I just don't know why they did it like that. If you know what I mean? He just really cared about his wolf. You guys, I know was so I, was, I was, I was uh, really angry that Deaton did that to the wolf. I was like, no, no, no. Um, like, so he went to there. He, here's the thing. If he could sneak into that guy's property, To put that cannabis stuff on the wolf 12 hours before he got called as a doctor to see the wolf? Why couldn't he just sneak into the garden and get the moss?
1: Well, and then there was that whole thing about all of the Yakuza being too uh, superstitious to go into the garden.
0: Yeah.
1: Which freaked me out a little bit, because I was like, you know, like... I understand what kind of happened in the garden, but why that would affect anyone else really kind of, like, like, why is that important?
0: (laughs) This is the thing. This is why it seemed like a really weird, like, strange B-movie action opening scene, if you know what I mean. Like, where not much makes sense. Because I was very confused. I was annoyed that they did that to the wolf. He was clearly very attached to the wolf. And Deaton clearly been there like 12 hours earlier poisoning the wolf with canema venom, like, so that it passed out so that he, and how, how was he the one that got called? Like, is he like, did they call him from America? Like, because he's the best veterinarian in the entire world. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how it worked well, out that he was the one that got called. Why? And
1: then I wondered if it was really a wolf or if it was a werewolf.
0: Because yeah. if it was a
1: werewolf, then it would make sense that they couldn't just call anyone, so they called right. Deaton yeah, because that... they knew of his connection or something. Like yeah. I was trying to figure that out too. I thought, is this like an actual like werewolf in standing in front of us, or is this a wolf, wolf, just like this guy's pet who he loves? Like I could not well, put it together I think
0: either. It was his pet because. The way he was, like, do you have any experience treating wolves? And it's, like, here and there. Like, they weren't cards on the table about, yes, we're doing a supernatural here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, and when they were in the garden and he mentions the, you know, Gitsune, that's when he, like, pulls out the gun and is like, oh, you know about my secrets. Like, it's, you know, I I think that if they'd both been on the same page, they would have had some, like, secret, like, you know, supernatural world code or I don't know, something. They would have addressed Handshake. It. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> they do a little sign, like a little wolf face, you know, the fingers. I'm doing like a, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like my middle yes. fingers together on my, on my like thumb. Like a shadow puppet? Yeah, they would have done a shadow puppet wolf and been like, I'm here. Oh <laughs> like, <gosh>. sorry, <laughs> I don't. Uh, but yeah, this whole opening scene, his, if he could sneak in to poison the dog, he could sneak in to get the moss what the hell? Like, I don't understand. Yeah,
2: that, that is a really good point. And it's funny that you bring up the whole, like, B-movie thing, because I actually felt that about the next scene at the Beacon Hills Memorial Hospital, when Isaac, like, shoves Allison out of the way and then yes. steps into the water and get, gets electrocuted. It was just really, it was really forced to me, and I mean... I... I, I usually don't have a problem with anything sure. that the show does. And, you know, we don't really notice those things, but that just seemed really yeah. awkward to me.
0: Yeah, Karen, I literally have written down here, electrocution scene dash tacky comma stilted. Like, yeah. and I don't usually notice things like that. So it must have been really bad, if you know what I mean. Like, well, we're, <laughs> we're not being very nice, but it, yeah, like, I, we genuinely, we're in this fandom we, this team, is considered pretty soft and non-critical, if you know what I mean. Like, we are the kind of people who'd be like, but we just love it, when all these people are writing these, like, essays about how, like, you know, there's all this stuff wrong with it, and we're like, no!
1: Yeah, I they're all wearing rubber-soled shoes, and so they shouldn't have been electrocuted? I read that today somewhere.
0: (laughs) I don't know, like, I I just noticed the way that people moved, and the whole, the Allison and Isaac thing was like, it was like a beat behind where it should have been, like, everyone's Mm -hmm. movements and Lines were like not on like they weren't natural, like it was just i don't know it was it was weird, so I have a feeling maybe it
2: had something to do with the editing more than anything else because the first part of the episode, we had to get through a lot and then it skips ahead 48 hours. So I think it was just kind of getting everybody on track. But what's funny is that after that scene, like when Kira saves everyone, I actually loved that. I thought she looked so awesome when she like, flips over the car, which totally unnecessary, but that's okay. And then she lands and she grabs the wire and she kind of like snuffs it out with her hand. And I just, uh, she is so cool. I just love Kira so much.
1: Yeah, I was horrifically
2: distracted by this question that just kept
1: ringing through my brain. I was like, why does the Nugitsune choose to cut a power cord When he knows that there are types of of Kitsune that can be empowered by electricity. Uh, Like, it makes no sense. Like, why would you try to empower someone who may have the power to hurt you or stop you or whatever? Because we don't know yet what, you know, what could stop him. But it just seems like a bad idea to give someone who's working against you more power. And so the whole scene, I'm just like, why cut the electrical line? Like, why? There are a million other ways you could have caused chaos and, you know, started trouble. But he picks that.
0: Yeah, I this I have a lot of questions about this entire chaos thing, actually. Which, I don't know if we should wait till the end. But, basically, everything that he did... The negizunate the power cord, the thing with the Coach, coach, uh, the thing with the bomb... Was this all just to get the end result of Scott sucking up a bunch of pain... Or was it like he was feeding on the chaos of all of those things and then the Scott's extra pain stuff was just like the cherry on the cake, if you know what I mean? Like, because the way it was edited seemed like that he did all of those things specifically to get Scott's pain sucking up thing, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. I think that is why he did all of it, but... I think the whole thing with it being kind of so flashy and, like, everything going on and setting up all these complicated ruses, I think that's just kind of how they operate and how that, you know, a trickster spirit kind of does its thing. But I think, yeah, I think the end result was he did want Scott to suck up all that pain so that he could feed off of it.
0: Because I'm like, that seems like really, really convoluted like again like I don't know again I don't know if it's just more that they don't really have a reason for doing anything but I would yeah I was just torn between whether it was you know he was feeding off the chaos of all of those items and then the Scott stuff was just like ooh, you know um the dessert uh to the main meal or whether it was the end result if you know what I mean or the you know or whether all of the chaos stuff was the preparation and Scott was the main meal I got a bit confused is Scott the dessert or the main meal? That's what I need to know. <laughs> I'm going to go with dessert. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say dessert. Okay.
2: Uh, so, basically, this is when the episode kind of skips ahead 48 hours. We find out that Styles has been missing for two days and that Isaac still isn't healing. And that was... Pretty surprising to me, actually. I mean, I had a feeling that he was seriously injured, obviously, and stopped breathing, but I was surprised that he was still in the hospital two days later. And this uh, is the scene where Melissa sneaks Scott and Allison in, and Scott tries to heal him and take his pain away, and he can't actually do it, and Isaac's still injured.
0: Um, I was going to say, I mean, they never really explained why Isaac's not healing yet, but Uh, I mean, we don't really know the ins and outs of the healing in terms of burns, because basically what he has is, like, burns from being electrocuted. But, like, look at Peter in Season 1 and, like, how it took him, like, six years to heal from, like, full body burns. So maybe this, like, burning – maybe they're going to be like, what – you know, Derek – you know, eventually Derek will see him and be like, oh, yeah, so – werewolves and burns uh is a really slow process
1: the only the yeah. other thing that kind of bugged me was i expected scott to like break his arm to like trigger up the, the healing. healing again yeah because so yeah, they've done it before so i assumed that that's what he was gonna do and then he just like took the pain away and i was like okay maybe burns are different and then i'm thinking about the tattoo and the flamethrower and I'm like, okay, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, because yeah. Okay, the, the tattoo, they, they burn it to make it so the skin that's burned doesn't heal doesn't or heals heal. super, super yeah. slowly. I don't know whether it would be like... um. I'm just remembering that scene with the tattoo when, when Derek, you know, Scott's like, is it going to hurt? And Derek's like, more than anything you've felt in your entire life, kind of, um,
2: right.
0: which was yeah. fun. But, yeah, I mean, no one's... <laughs> No one's outright saying anything about the burn thing, but I was expecting him to try and trigger the healing as well. But can you imagine if he did? Maybe it's because, like, if he did break his arm and then he wasn't going to heal, he'd be left there with, like, a newly a broken, broken arm, arm and, arm and <laughs> people would be like, "What? why has this happened?
2: Red <laughs> flag. Maybe it's because the, the injury is so deep that something like just breaking his arm to trigger the healing isn't really going to work. But I'm also thinking back to when... Chris and Gerard had Erica and Boyd in the basement, and they were talking a lot about how, like, electricity can stop them from changing, and it has, like, very certain reactions within a werewolf, and I'm not sure if it can keep them from healing or if it can really, like, seriously mess them up like fire can. I'm not sure. There's definitely, I think, a combination of stuff going on, with the main point being that he was electrocuted, and that obviously has an effect on a werewolf.
0: Yeah, Uh, I think that they really have not explained this, and I don't know whether it's going to be because of some big reveal, or if they just haven't been bothered to explain it, if we're meant to know and we don't, if you know what I mean. Yeah,
2: yeah. But then Kira tells Scott that the Nogitsune must have been extremely offended by someone, and that's why he's doing all of this. And I just, I mean, okay, like, that makes sense, but I'm kind of like, that's, you know, he must have been pretty pissed off for him to do all of this stuff, and it's all really complicated and kind of sneaking around and tricking people, but then again, that's what the Nagitsune does, but I wanted to know what you guys, who you guys think, could have been the one to have offended him.
0: I mean, I don't know if it was Kira's mother, you know, if they seem to have had a bit of a a conversation. Maybe it was Kira's father, maybe he embarrassed him in class. Like... (laughs) Like, maybe Aww. maybe maybe the Nugitsune was one of the, his old students and he, he embarrassed him in front of the whole class or something. That's that's all I got. Like...
1: Well, I mean, we don't really know for sure where the Nugitsune was before it was in styles. Like, we don't know if it's been in styles for a very long time and it's just now being able to take control because I know there's a lot of people who think that might be possible. And then I know that... There's at least some out there who think maybe it was in Barrow, yeah, and that that's where that whole thing came from. So it's like, you know, how long has it has it been offended? Like was it offended before it was you Activated. know while it was in Barrow? Yeah, yeah. And so now it's just continuing to wreak havoc until it stopped because it's already been kind of kicked into gear, or you know, like I don't really
2: know if it was anyone here that said something offensive yeah or, i feel like yeah. it has to be part of the yukimura family just because the first thing that it basically did was kidnap kira and i don't know if that means like kira did something or if it was revenge for something that one of the parents did and and it decided to take revenge out on their daughter
0: yeah i mean it, i think that it's going to be Possibly something that ties into if we do get the actual flashbacks of the internment camps, which I think we are. They got footage, they got like stills of that, right? Like, or set photos. Mm -hmm. And maybe that will be the story. Maybe it's like against that entire situation, against, you know, people locking them up or, or whatever, or a particular person or a particular family that did something in that time.
2: I also have to wonder, do the Argents, I mean, obviously their main sort of vocation is hunting werewolves, but do they take care of other things as well? Could they be possibly involved? I mean, I know there's a lot of speculation about the Argent family being involved, especially in the camps in the past. We talked about that, I think, on the last episode. Yeah. But I kind of have to wonder if maybe this is related to them.
0: I think, have a wide range of uh, killing interests, the Argent. <laughs> because in the next episode in the trailer, you know, there's that little bit between Derek and Chris, which I'm going to need to discuss that, that new that new <laughs> bromance, because all I can think of is like Donya telling us about Spain and, and JR liking the idea of Chris and Derek, and how they can have a couple of beers and see where it goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and now it's happening. Uh, but but, yeah, he was kind of like, oh, would you feel bad about putting putting Styles down? Uh, you know, and he was like, oh, no, uh, Styles, yes, but not a Nogitsune. So it seems like he has some experience, though then he went and, you know, his whole conversation with Katashi would also, also imply that he didn't know what it was because they had to go to Katashi to figure it out, or, or at least they... Um. Uh, Or at least they went to to Kitashi to figure out the Oni, and maybe when he was like, oh, Nagitsune, that's what it was. But, yeah, it's just kind of confusing, because he's already talking like it's something he's like an old pro about when he wasn't, you know, a few few episodes ago. So maybe it's like, oh, they hear about something, they're going to kill it. I don't know. It's very strange.
1: He channeled his inner Derek Hale and hit Google and,
0: Yeah, checked it out. Yeah, pretended that he knew everything about a subject five minutes after (laughs) hearing about it for the first time. Uh, Yep. Definitely.
2: Yeah, let's get into that next scene because I really liked this as well. I mean, it comes up a little bit later, but Derek basically shows up at Chris's apartment and says, okay, you left an emitter in my loft. What's going on? And Chris denies it, and they're both looking for Styles. and Chris makes it pretty apparent that if he comes up against Styles as the Nagitsune, he's going to do what he has to do in order to stop it. And Chris finds the money from the transaction with Katashi, although they never took the money. And that's when McCall shows up and says that Silverfinger is dead, which Danya and I cried about a little bit uh, because Shang Tsung is now gone. And they didn't even count him as a death on Wolfwatch. How rude. I'm
0: Aww. sorry. Yeah, but Wolf <laughs> Wolfwatch's death count has been, like, badly inaccurate.
2: It's weird, yeah. I don't know. I think they're just trying to trick us. But this this scene in particular, I just... I am so on board with this idea that there are two Nagitsune and that Allison is one of them because she is so shady. And this whole thing with, you know, the money showing up in Chris's office and with the emitters and all of that, I just feel like everything is pointing toward Allison right now.
0: Yeah, I was kind of, first of all, I was like, I I know Chris said he'd been out for two days, but, you know, surely Styles would have you know, set off some alarm or something if he went in there, given that it's all, you know, zhuzhed up or whatever they do. Uh, And then I was like, why would Nugitsune Styles, I mean, or Nugitsune Allison, really, why would he want Chris and Derek to be stuck together? Like, why would he set that up? I just found that, like, I don't know if it was, like, to get them both out of the way, but I found it really odd that, like, Everything else was like, you know, he set up the thing for Scott and he set up the thing for, like, Isaac. And, you know, I, w- I don't know if he knew it was going to be Isaac specifically, but he set up that and he set up the bomb, you know, all of the thing, you know, and Coach. But, like, what happens here? He set up Chris and Derek to go through a bonding experience together. Like, maybe he secretly <laughs> ships it. Like, you know, like, like it's yes, it's gotten them both out of the way because they're kind of arrested or whatever. But I just found it odd that he – like, he or she or whatever Nugitsune or whatever did that orchestrated, like, a meat cute for Derek and <laughs> and Chris Argent. Uh, I mean, there were guns involved, but, you know, it seemed really odd to me.
2: I love somebody on Tumblr put on there, once again, Derek shows up with claws to a gunfight, and I just had to laugh, because <laughs> he <laughs> is always like outdrawn when it comes to Chris.
0: Chris Archer carries a lot of guns around, like, he on the person he does. at all times.
2: Although it seems to be working out well for him, so. Anyway. But, yeah, so Scott and the twins, they, um, they're in the locker room. Okay, wait, first, I was going to get to, like, plot stuff, but we have to talk about Coach because oh, he was hilarious oh my right here in this
0: scene. That scene it was so cute. And I was like, "Mm, he's such a good teacher. Like, as much as he, like, (laughs) yells and does irrational stuff, when he's actually doing teaching or when he's actually instructing the kids what to do, he's a really, really good teacher. And I know that it was like a really purposeful and really obvious setup to give you a moment of like, oh, I care about you, and then you're gonna get shot in the stomach, and it, like, hides <laughs> the emotions that you feel when something bad happens. I know that it's a plot device, but he was so cute. I was like, I loved it. It was so sweet and funny and ridiculous.
2: I loved it when he told Danny to keep it PG. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Me too. I was like, oh,
1: and that's cute too. <laughs> I like that
0: Danny was the first one up to go and write a card for yeah. Isaac. I, I want, like, an episode of like Danny Isaac bromance give me that like I just <laughs> just need that um but yeah I don't know the yeah the whole thing was you know it had his touch of insanity coach's personal touch of like mm-hmm. you know hyperbole and, and insanity but he's he's a sweet guy and a good teacher dear dear coach um yeah
2: well, the the point of this scene really was that the twins and Scott hear one of the emitters go off, and they go down into the basement, and they find Styles, and immediately the twins just charge him and throw him up against the lockers. And I loved this part because, you know, one of the the twins, I I want to say it was Ethan he uh, got kind of all up in Scott's face and Scott just shut him down with his werewolf powers, with his alpha powers. And I thought it was just, uh, I really liked seeing that.
0: I'm still kind of like not weirded out in a bad way, but I'm like, I still kind of don't believe Scott's an alpha. Like I do, but like not in the way that we looked at, I mean, he's not an alpha in the way that, you know, Derek or Peter or, or anything was an alpha, but like, you know, the nicest alpha I guess we've seen is, like, Talia. And, I mean, the twins were alphas and they were dicks and they were, you know, ten years and stuff. But, like, I don't know, just our little Scott just, like, being. And yeah. al- he was always a leader, but it's just, like, weird. It's like saying he's prime minister or something. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> president to you people. Um, It's strange. I don't know. Uh, when they did kind of talk to Styles, did you guys sort of, Think well, he was telling the truth, or like, what did you what did you think?
1: I just couldn't help but think after two days of running around with only having sent his father a text, he now wants you to find him. Like, that's a red flag.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> like, I pretty much didn't believe him straight off. I was like, no, that's what you don't say if 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 you're you yeah. if you are really you you're, you're you're like sitting in the corner rocking and freaking out. Like, you're not you're not like. Oh, it's me. Everything's fine. I mean, he wasn't that calm and he he was Now look very, at what I did. Yeah. He, he was very himself. And I mean, that's the thing. Then now look at what I did is the perfect cover-up. Like people will always say, and I mean, it's the biggest thing in the world when it comes down to even like the, you know, the smallest incidents, the best lies, the most believable lies is when you basically cover it up with the complete truth. Like you you lie about something and you basically tell all the truthful reasons why something you did was wrong to cover up the bigger lie of whatever it is, if you know what I mean. That's like a a really big thing that people talk about. Like that's a big thing that's sort of known about, and that's instantly kind of what I thought, though it is a bit, you know, it is a bit weird. But it's it's also not like I didn't think it was Styles, and I feel like it's more that the two are – blending more like that it's it's his own personality Mm -hmm. being more influenced rather than like robot styles and freaking out actual styles like you know fox robot styles
2: yeah and it was weird because i kept going back and forth in this scene because when we first see styles and he looks up and his back is still to the twins and to Scott. He's got that evil look on his face, but he turns around and then everything sort of goes away. And he's so genuine and kind of freaked out. And he tells them his whole plan. And I was like, OK, maybe this really is him. But I think you're right that, you know, the the easiest way for him to get away with the stuff that he's trying to get away with is to convince him convince everybody that he's back to normal right now. And and that he's trying to help
0: them stop himself, you know. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything he showed them, he showed them the path on the trail, and then he went and, you know, but what happened when they went there? Like, they they basically tried to stop everyone from running into the bear traps, like, quote, unquote, and, you know, there was that dead chain there that wasn't attached to anything, but the fact that they went out there meant that Coach got, Shot and he brought Scott there, like Scott wouldn't have been there otherwise. Like if Scott was the main meal rather than the dessert, as I mentioned, <laughs> then it makes total sense that he would tell them all their plans to get Scott into the all the places that he wanted him to be. But I just feel like all of that kind of been just to suck, suck some pain out of Scott. Like I, I don't know. It's I I do think that all of the plans just basically led to stuff being worse. Like they showed them the the wrapping paper which was a red herring you know it obviously like you know they didn't get there in time to fix the bomb in the police station because they went to the school first because of you know that that red herring so i think that he was showing them their plans to kind of lead them on the wrong track yeah,
2: definitely, and I kind of have an idea about that as well that we'll talk about in a little bit when it's a little more relevant, but for now, basically, yeah, they go down the the path for the cross-country runners, and they try to figure out what's going on, but the first thing I wanted to talk about was um, <laughs> Ethan tackles Danny, and they end up kissing right there on the floor, and I was just wondering what you guys – are thinking right now about them, because it's been back and forth recently, and of course there's always that stigma surrounding the twins because of what they did to Boyd. And I don't know, I was I thought it was cute, and I was kind of happy that maybe they're getting back together, but I have to keep reminding myself that even though Ethan is the better twin, he's still not the greatest
0: guy. I don't know, I'm still a bit confused as to, yeah, like, you know, if if they are together like if they've sort of hooked up it's just like oh I missed you as in like oh I haven't seen you all day and I'm kissing you or if like they it was like out of nowhere I'm attacking you with my mouth kind of thing because they were kind (laughs) of together at the party and stuff like they have I I feel like it was like just oh you know that quote-unquote quite cute thing of, oh, I missed you today, you know, whatever. I don't
2: know, Danny looked pretty surprised know, though at first. I yeah. know! <laughs>
0: well, I'm confused as well. but
2: Well, he kept his eyes open too, like, he
1: started to kiss him and Danny looked really shocked, like, what the yeah, hell? Maybe and, he yeah, maybe he so...
0: knocked on the ground, but I don't know. Right. I still want, you know, <laughs> Danny to, you know, warm Ethan's cold, cold heart, but we'll see. Me too. um <laughs> too. I don't know, but yeah, Coach getting shot when oh he triggered Yarrow, as soon as he ca- – I was so relieved because as soon as he started being like, oh, my God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're not. As soon as he said that, I was like, no, you're not. Though it would be really bad if you, because you never really see someone freaking out about dying before actually dying in television. Usually mm-hmm. if someone freaks out and is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm freaking out they don't actually die and you never – because it, you either have someone not expecting to die and they die or someone freaking the hell out and then they get saved. So I think it's because it's, like, too traumatic and maybe too upsetting to see someone totally lose it in fear over dying and then actually die of it anyway, if you know what I mean. So I really hope that didn't happen with Coach and that he's still A-OK. But as soon, my impression was as soon as he – was like, oh my god, I'm going to die, I'm going to die! I was like, no you're not, you're going to be fine, yay! Because I was worried. Yeah, I was going to die. I was,
2: I was so conflicted during this scene, because on the one hand, like, it was really shocking seeing that happen, and you know seeing him sprawled out on the ground like that, but at the same time, he was freaking out, and I was just laughing so hard, <laughs> and I'm like, Coach is such a drama queen, and it fits in perfectly with his personality and he was like grabbing his students and was like I'm gonna die and it was just it was so perfect
0: and everyone was kind of really worried and like they love him and and, like even with the like going back to like pre-Nagitsune Styles when they were pranking coach and he was like when Styles said oh we we do this every year coach loves it like and and Scott's like no he doesn't he hates us for it but, like, it's cute. They love him, and they love giving him attention, even if it's mean attention. I don't know. It's I, He's, like, he's one of my favorite teachers on TV or ever. I don't know. I just, I like him a lot.
1: I couldn't help but be really grateful that they showed us this scene, because had we not seen it last week, like, and known it was coming, I may have freaked out quite a oh, bit. Oh, in, like, in the trailer, yeah. Yeah. I would have died. Like, what just happened? Like, Coach does not get shot with an arrow. So, I mean, that was kind of taken away because I knew, you know, that it was going to happen. But, ugh, still uh, hilarious and kind of scary a little bit. I mean,
0: is no one addressing, like, who's doing that in terms of, like, the police and stuff? Because, like, they've, I mean, obviously they knew someone was out with a bomb, I suppose. But, like... It's not like, oh, I tripped and fell on a spike of wood. It was like someone triggered (laughs) that and everyone saw it. And is that not something that the police are going to have to address as well? Like, who set up this arrow trap in the forest? Like, that was not even touched on.
2: Yeah, I think it's because so much else was going on, but I I kind of really want this to be a running gag now where Coach just constantly reminds everybody how he got shot in the stomach with an arrow. Because <laughs> yeah. it would be so
0: funny. And he thinks that's like the worst thing that could happen in the history of Bacon Hills or whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he like shows people the scar, like uh, this is where I got shot. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> oh. It
2: could, oh yeah, definitely I need this. <laughs> Well, one of my favorite scenes actually was between Lydia, Allison, and Peter. And Lydia wants to go to Peter's, well, actually it's Derek, uh, Derek's Loft, Does where Peter is. he at Derek's
0: Loft? I that?
2: guess so, oh, I don't know.
0: I wouldn't let him live there. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed, I will say. Because I did not like Peter in this episode, and usually I can find any way to, like, Not redeem him, but I see like something, you know, a, you know, layered in him, or I find his humor funnier or whatever. And this I just found it like nasty and bad with no good in it, if you know what I mean. And I I thought that him showing up at the school without being the drama teacher was really convoluted. And it's like, who does that? (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm going to show up to school and start talking about hearing tests so that you know that I have a message for you about hearing it's like just send her a text you're all literally in the (laughs) same pack like it's not that hard for you to find each other like come on now yeah also I think I've watched too much Doctor Who because when he talked to Lydia's mother in the school he was wearing like a white undershirt he's not from the health department like he's not wearing proper clothes he's wearing like the most casual like lounging around at home clothes and then Lydia comes up to her and he was like, you know, oh, he gave me his card and she was like, Mom, this is a piece of paper with a phone number. I think I've watched too much Doctor Who because I was like, oh, my God, is that just like, does she think it's a real business card and he has some yes! like, like, I was <laughs> thinking, paper. I was kind of thinking psychic paper but more like, yes! but more like, <laughs> am I the only one that was, no, okay, I'm not the only one, awesome. this no. no. Okay, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, sort of the opposite to psychic paper in that it wasn't the paper that was doing it, it was like that he had some mind power over the humans that he could like mm-hmm. – make them see kind of like some like vampire legends have people putting like vampires, putting humans under like thrall, like that they can kind of influence, you know,
1: they call it compulsion on the vampire. Yeah. Or like
0: Jedi mind control or something. Like, this is, I thought he Jedi mind controlled her and that he like, and that she thought it was a real business card and it was a piece of paper. Like, (laughs) Yeah, that is what I thought was going on. That is not what was going on, just for no. the record. But that is what I thought. So that I feel like that scene was more convoluted than it needed to be, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, that thought definitely crossed my mind when I was oh, like, Oh my I'm god, so is it going to be
0: blank? Yeah, I'm so glad that I wasn't like. I was like, Oh my god, does Peter have secret mind powers? Maybe it would be more <laughs> interesting if Peter did have secret mind powers. But that True. scene was like so weird. Like, did she think he was threatening her mother? Like, is that why? Like, like. That's not a way to tell someone you have like a message for them. Like it's Well, I don't and know.
2: then He just of, like disappeared. Like... Yeah, that was weird. But I also feel like this is kind of what Peter does. Like, he constantly likes to manipulate people and freak them out and not do anything really directly. And sort of, like, it felt very much like the scene between him and Melissa back in season one, I think it was. And, you know, how he kind of uses other people to kind of show his control over people and to show how much power he has. Yeah. So. I wonder if it was sort of along those lines.
0: I don't know. It was very, it was really weird to me. I was like, I'm, I I, feel like there was a bit missing, like that he was, I just didn't get it. I was just like, that's not the way that that's not going to do any other. Like if that <laughs> happened to me, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, this means Peter has a message for me about my hearing, about my banshee powers. Like that's just not what I would have taken from it. If I was Lydia, I would have been like, what the hell is wrong with you? Which I think they are pretty much like, what the hell is wrong with you as well? But yeah. Anyway. It
2: actually me on my second watch to figure out that that was why he was there. Like yeah, that I-, I was hearing and yeah, it was confusing,
0: it was but so weird. But yeah, at the loft. Sorry. God. Yeah. At the loft.
2: Lydia goes there to ask Peter, you know, how to use her banshee powers. And she takes Alison, with her, which is totally super smart to do. Very good thinking, Lydia. And we find out, and I think this is kind of really big, because we've been wondering about this for a long time, Peter's Bite did indeed bring out the Banshee inside of Lydia, but how did he know it was there in the first place?
0: Yeah. Again, this is so much that's like, oh, I don't know if that's meant to be the whole explanation, but I don't understand anything. Because, yeah, number one, the bite bringing out the Banshee, and number two, her being the backup plan for bringing back to life. It's like they mentioned it, and he was like, yeah, but isn't it lucky that I'm here today to help you? Like, shut up. But they did not say at all how that happened. If you know what I mean, like, they did not lay out, oh, because of this, this happened, la-di-da-di-da. Like, they did not have any explanation of either of those facts at all they just, we, they just reminded us that they happened and didn't actually explain it at all
2: yeah and i think maybe this is sort of like laying the groundwork for season four because we know season four is going to be about lydia and about her banshee power so i wonder if they're kind of just bringing it up now and then you know we'll explore it more in depth later on when we have time and things aren't so crazy
0: so what he wants is for her to listen to Talia's claws and hear their story of, like, the memory <laughs> she stole from him, apparently. And I was like, does, she, does he mean the thing about, like, about Paige? Because he remembers that that happened. And then mm-hmm. he told them – that really confused me in terms of her being – you know, him being like, oh, she stole the memory from us uh, so that we wouldn't remember where the nemeton was – She clearly clearly didn't steal the whole, like, memory that it happened, if you know what I mean, just the location of the Nemetron. So they remember that that happened. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know if it would have been, like, less traumatic to uh, take the whole thing or if Derek would be confused why his eyes were now blue or whatever. Like, they needed the memory of what happened just to not go crazy over it. But he stole – she apparently stole another memory. And if I was Talia Hale, my first thing would be to also, like, remove the fact that you remember that you – had the memory stolen if you know what I mean <laughs> like I would be like yeah don't let True. him know that you are missing something but then it would just go on forever because you'd always get to the last one and you'd be like oh I'm, I've stole the memory of stealing your memory oh but you remember that I stole the memory of stealing your memory and it's it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it could go on for a while but but yeah uh, were you expecting that to be what it was
2: the reveal that yeah that Peter's not just an uncle. Yeah. Oh, I was really shocked and I I really didn't see it coming, but I and I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first because I was kind of like this seems a little too dramatic like, yeah. you know, uh, like it's a you know, oh, this character's pregnant. You know how it's just kind of there to feed the drama mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm like, this is a really cool opportunity to once again twist around Peter's character and maybe this will sort of bring out the better side in him and maybe he'll Uh... kind of have something to live for. But (laughs) we got a little... uh, yeah, confirmation that that's not going to happen. I wrote up an article on Hypable today at, where Ian Bowen basically says the writers told him to just accept the fact that Peter's a bad guy and that he's actually going to use this information about having a kid to his advantage and he's going to see if he can use it to get what he wants. Like,
0: See, I hate this because I, like, the fact that they told him, the fact that they said to him, like, accept that peter is a bad guy it means that before then he'd be either he'd been trying to play it or that they'd been tossing around some sort of like depth or redemption arc which i feel like was there for him before but i think the, the way he acted this episode was just i think worse than he's ever been like i don't know like all these other moments you've seen like you know, oh, he, it's like he doesn't know how to turn off being a giant douchebag, but then he has these moments of, like, uncontrollable feeling, like his sort of shame with Melissa, or he's, like, caring for Cora, or, like, when he helps them out in some way, like, he's like, oh. And it was very, like, Spike from Buffy, like, oh, I'm stuck with you guys, and I guess I'll help you, and oh, now I'm, oops, I'm good. How did that happen? And, you know, I felt like that was there a lot, like, in in the first part of season three. Um, and now it is not. Which, I mean, I guess it's fine if they want to make him the full-out villain, but the fact that they're saying just accept that he's a bad guy kind of sounds like Ian Bowen, you know, had his own ideas about Peter's emotional depth or redemption, and I'm a bit disappointed that that's not, you know, a story that could happen. But that article also says that, like, Talia took the memory because she didn't want him to, like, corrupt the child. I'm sorry, how old is Peter? He's, like, 30-something now. He, w- he would have been young when he had this kid. Like, he would have been maybe 20 or under. How evil was he at 20 or under that, like, she thought he was going to corrupt a child? Like, he wasn't... Yeah. I feel like she had no right to do that. Like, I, I don't know. I'm-, I'm not into it. And I feel like maybe if she'd let him have his child uh, that he wouldn't have turned into such a raging psychopath. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you-, you don't know, like, how someone might, like, change or feel about their child. But maybe he did things as a you know, under 20 year old that was super psychotic that she knew about and that was no good. So I don't know. I, I'm not into it. I'm really like, this is soap opera dramatic and I'm not sure that I'm here for it. But can I
1: just say how incredibly confused I was at first? Because when you use the phrase, you're not just an uncle. I'm sitting yes, there thinking, is yes. he is he somehow Derek's father? What I thought hell?
0: that as well. Oh my God, Kristen. I thought that as well. I was like, oh my God. Is this like what? Like, I don't. Like, have you made her think that, like what, I was kind of like, did Talia make Peter think that she was his sister Derek's when, mom, yeah,, yeah. Was actually, yeah, I thought they meant Derek as well for a second, yeah, I was like, this would be the worst plot in the world, but then when, <laughs> right. yeah, then when Lydia was came out of that all crying, I was like. Is she? Is he Lydia's dad? Like, right? I was like, my it, mind went there too. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how that would work, but it could work because, uh, I guess, because we've never seen the dad, and and but then wouldn't the mum recognize? No, we have.
2: Him? We've seen her dad.
0: Oh yeah, in the parent teacher meeting. Um. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was gonna say, oh yeah, that yeah, that, that was he like,
2: could be like a stepdad or something.
0: Yeah, and like I was her like, mom
1: married, or and whatever.
0: I was like, oh, like you know, but surely that the, the mum would like recognize him. But no, he was doing the psychic paper thing. He was doing compulsion. (laughs) You know, like, I was getting so confused. And then I was, but then a few people were talking about it, and they were like, oh, maybe he's Jackson's dad. And then that would sort of be a reason for her to cry, because she might still love Jackson, kind of. Uh, And uh, But I was just like, why are you all teary, Lydia? Why has this made you so emotional rather than, like, Ew. Like, so I don't know if it was, yeah. just, she was overwhelmed by the emotion of doing it, but I was surprised she was crying when she came out of it.
2: Plus, that scene, like, as soon as she said, You're not just an uncle, and it kind of like went up on Peter's face, it then cut directly to Derek. And so I think that sort of helped a lot. <laughs> I've been seeing this a lot with people are like, Whoa, did anyone else think that there was going to be some like Game of Thrones esque <laughs> thing going <laughs> on here? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I totally did So, oops. Yeah.
2: About but this is really interesting though Because there are so many theories Going on right now Because basically Lydia decides And this is a little bit later in the episode But I decided to put it up here Just for continuity's sake But um, she says basically That Malia is Peter's daughter And I don't know if she just lied To Peter when she said Yeah I don't know if it's a boy or girl I don't know who it is or if they were just, you know, and so she knew it was Malia and she looked her up or something like that. Or if it was kind of just, oh, well, this person's age or whatever could fit the timeline and, you know, she is a, a supernatural creature. Could that have something to do with it? So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Who, what I don't Lydia's
2: know. train of thought is there.
0: No, I couldn't work that out either, whether it was just that they looked, you know, that she knew and she lied, or she heard something and she lied. Like, there's some options here. Either she knew for a fact it was Malia and she lied, she got some impression in the dream of who it was and she lied, or she completely didn't know and then researched afterwards. And I feel like it cannot be as clean cut as she knew for a fact and she lied, because... Uh, there's too many theories going around about it. But, I mean, it, it, it could be that. It could be that she definitely knows it's Malia, and she saw Talia give, you know, oh, I'll just give her a new name. I'll change one letter in my name and just give her to this family. <laughs> we have had no impression from, like, Mr. Tate that it's not Mr. Tate's daughter. I don't know how Mr. Crazy mm-hmm. Tate is going to react when he finds out um, if if it is her. It also brings up a few questions about the whole bite thing because uh people are being like oh she's a were coyote that's different you know and then we had the canema and then we had like the banshee kick starting the bite and this is just what I w- it's sort of giving weight to my theory that there's basically like one were something it's not that a were coyote is something different to a werewolf it's not that I mean a banshee might be but it's that the were whatever the general thing is werewolf but the same thing is basically it's not like oh there's a different breed of were coyotes and oh there's a different breed of kanimas i think it's more that like the influences around you can like change your supernatural process rather than it being all different breeds of something if you know what i mean and yeah
2: almost like the bite is just something general yeah like the bite and then whatever that causes inside of you creates you know what version of it you are
0: yes that's what I think and that that is very very much what I think and like that the standard something no nothing particularly wrong with them is just going to be the same as what bit them and then if it's something that has like some sort of crazy psychological influence like Malia probably being raised by coyotes or jackson you know having all of this like weird angst it changes you into something else so i I do think that the bite is like a general thing and it's not all different breeds of different type of supernatural things i mean i think the kitsune are something different but i think a lot of it is like oh you now have the supernaturals like if you know what i mean (laughs) And that's or, not to say
1: that if you had if you were of Kitsune blood and you were bitten, I would think you would probably start to develop those powers rather yeah. than becoming a werewolf. Yes.
0: Like I think it would kickstart it in the same way it kickstarted Lydia. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: I think that it's like, "Oh, zap your supernatural." Or well, not zap, it would be more like "chomp your supernatural." <laughs> um, <laughs> um but <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, if it is Malia and she's, like, a were-coyote, I, I very much assume that that shifting would be, like, because she didn't know really what she was and she was sort of, like, surrounded by the coyotes or whatever and though their power or their natural spirits or whatever kind of influenced her more. But do you think it is Malia,
2: basically? Well, before we get into that, I have something that I just thought up. Yeah. And I don't know. This could be kind of interesting I think that Talia took away Peter's memories, possibly because Malia's mother was a were coyote, and that, you know, since he's a werewolf, maybe that's something that's looked down upon, like cross species.
0: Well, it's like Romeo and Juliet, like. yeah like capulets or something because
2: we did learn that coyotes do not like werewolves and so what if it was like this weird cross species like breeding thing and talia was like i'm having none of that and so you know she's like she's
0: a racist so that doesn't (laughs) my impression of talia hale is not that she's like a dirty racist so yeah yeah i don't know like that seems like really mean but
2: but I think that there's a really good point going around, too. That, yeah, Malia could definitely be Peter's daughter. And I think it would be really interesting to kind of explore how that came about and what exactly is going on with Talia taking away Peter's memory. But at the same time, a lot of people are thinking that maybe it could be Parrish. And maybe. I. Oh. <laughs> Which I <laughs> love. Oh, I like this theory. Yes. Maybe.
0: Oh my God! I mean, it would
2: suck to have Peter be your father, but he's a bit right.
0: Old, isn't he? Parish, twenty-four. I yeah, mean, they did he... make a big deal of his age, but
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Well,
1: and they talked about having good genes. He says, you know, yeah. maybe it's just good genes. And then it just the whole little speech that he gave to Jared while he's standing there—it just came off as very hail. Like, it was very something, like, Derek and Peter, like, they give these random little speeches to distract people, like, I-, I could totally see it. So, after I saw the episode and was thinking about it, I was like, oh my god, he has to be, like, it has, Parrish has to be a male. Like, do we
0: think that Peter is, like, how old do you think Peter is meant to be? I mean, we don't know about, as a werewolf, they never, like, got into that whole aging <laughs> thing, but, like. As a human, in human Earth years, how many years, human Earth years, do you think Peter has been on this Earth?
1: I would yes. say like mid to late thirties, like yeah. somewhere like
2: thirty-five, which okay. really isn't thirty-five
0: old minus twenty-four is not baby-making age. <laughs> uh, uh, say he was say okay forty. If he was forty-four, he would have had him when he was twenty. If he was 40 he would have had him when he was 16 so he I don't think he had a baby when he was 16 I mean, we kind of saw him when he was like 16 and I don't I mean maybe he did who knows but maybe the whole parish age thing is wrong maybe he's like younger than he's saying he is and he has like or older than he's saying he is maybe Peter's older than he we think he is because of weird werewolf aging please please go into the aging thing Jeff at some point because I don't I'm just a little bit a little bit peeved that like he's like why does everyone care so much about the aging it's because it's bloody confusing and you've said that it's not normal and you haven't said anyone's ages and everyone is like he's like why is everyone so hung up on how old Derek is or how old the werewolf thing is it's like because you've said there's something we're missing and we want to know what it is like please please just fill it in
2: Yeah. And you know, I just looked up Ian Bowen's age, and he's 37. So I mean, he could be playing obviously somebody who's a little bit older, but
0: I don't think he'd be playing much older than what he actually is. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And uh, and you know, we saw kind of how old, how much older he was than Derek, as kind of a say, Derek was 15, and and Peter might have been 20. Like he might be, fi- like he kind of looks five years older than Derek, maybe seven years older than Derek, if he looked really young as a teenager. Yeah, he looked very young, and, you know, if he's, if Derek, we don't know how old Derek is exactly, we kind of think he's, like, six to nine years older than the teenagers, if you know what I mean, like, so, in his mid-20s, so, Peter might be, again, in his mid-30s, and I I just don't know how old the kid would be in that case, like, unless there's something weird going on with aging, so...
2: Yeah, I think Parrish and Derek... Are probably about the same age. And I mean, Peter is supposed to be younger than Talia, but we don't know how young, how much younger. So that kind of is a question that I think would be relevant as well.
0: If this isn't actually part of the plot, if this isn't a plot reveal, like the aging stuff, I need them to just explain it. I don't care (laughs) if they put up like a post on Tumblr about it. Like, I just. (laughs) Need them to explain it unless it's part of some big reveal and if it is part of big reveal sooner rather than later come on chop chop let's get on with it like <laughs> i'm 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 kind of over not knowing about the ages it's really starting to to stress me out
2: yeah, I agree. Well, before we talk about Parishmore, because I definitely do want to talk about him, because he's amazing. Um, Something that happens kind of in between these two scenes is that Mr. Yukimura does in fact know that his wife is a kitsune. And I don't know about you guys, but I was really relieved.
0: Yeah, yeah, me Yeah. Too. I didn't want him to be, like, dumb and in the dark. Like, or yeah. like oh, I'm the innocent goof. You know, like, I, yes. I was not into Well, that. and
1: it always brings up like marriage issues like how can you be married to someone and not know like <laughs> yeah. like come on you spend almost all day every day so I'm, I was really glad to know that he's in on the secret like that works
2: yeah once again Team Wolf does a great job of you know portraying like good communication between people and making sure that secrets aren't you know the cause of the problem and that's just you know we see it so often and it's so frustrating that I'm really glad they didn't go down that path here either but we also learned that Mrs. Yukimura is basically using her tails to create the oni and they're represented by those blades that she snaps in half and that makes the oni and she says that she will give up all of her tails which I'm pretty sure means she's either gonna die or maybe like stop being a
0: kitsune I'm not yeah, sure become like less immortal or something or yeah like, yeah die.
2: But she's gonna do that in order to defeat the Nogetsune. So that was that was kind of intense. But I really liked the sort of teamwork we saw between the Yukimuras.
0: I was offended that Mr. Yukimura said, "What high school student do you know that would o- willingly open a book?" <laughs> I was not especially sure.
2: since his daughter is so nerdy. I mean, I know.
0: Right? Yeah, she
2: um, did like three hours of research just to impress Scott. <laughs> Oh, um, granted, that was probably with Google. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was like, and why is he looking after them? Like, why aren't they in their house? Like, I don't like, well, my
1: guess is that she wanted them not in an obvious place and so by you know like the obvious thing is for her to protect her own tails so she gives them to her husband and he takes them away from the home and you know your safest place mm-hmm. like I think that's kind of the thought process
0: does that mean Kira that's so has sweet. Oh, does that mean like Kira has a set of knives that
1: tails somewhere? know
0: about <laughs> like yeah like
1: right yeah I don't know that would be interesting
2: that's so weird Hmm. Anyway, uh, (laughs) jumping over to Parrish again, who is baby Steve Rogers, I can't get this out of my head now. Like, every time I look at him, I'm just like, you're Captain America, and it's awesome. Also, he has incredible eyes. Is he
0: he baby Steve Rogers, or are you just saying he looks like him?
2: He looks like him, but I also feel like his personality is sort of similar,
1: Yeah, like the way he charged into that situation, like, I have the training, I can do this, I'm going to take care of it. It was very Steve Rogers, Captain America-y. Yeah. It wasn't that far
2: off. (laughs) And basically, we, you know, get that wonderful speech from him, which I loved, but we also find out that there's not a bomb in that package. It actually has the sheriff's nameplate. And that's when we realize the bomb is in the sheriff's station, and it goes off, and we get... Hero Derek saving Chris's life. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Oh. and yeah. Yeah. Before we
1: get into the loving Derek and Chris thing, which I loved, by the way, loved every second of it. <laughs> this right here is where I started really questioning whether Allison was another Nugitsune because of the nameplate. Styles could not have walked into the sheriff's station and taken it off his dad's desk. No. Without someone noticing.
0: Well, I was under the impression that the um, delivery guy did it. Like the, the delivery guy, when he dropped off that stuff, kind of did a bit of sleight of hand and and managed to swipe it when he delivered the quote unquote printer stuff that. Okay. You know, the bomb. But we don't know who is that guy. Is he working for Styles? Like, why right. is he delivering bombs? Like, right. like who's that guy? What the hell is happening? <laughs>
1: Right, so, which is why I started thinking somebody else has to be in on this with him. And then yeah. you know the Allison train from earlier. I was like, it totally could be Allison. And, so and I mean, I'm on board that somebody's helping
0: ja- him. Jared as well was like, they told me not to move. He he's gonna know Styles or Allison. Right. Like he's gonna like like he's gonna know them. Uh, he definitely knows Styles, and you'd assume that he knows Allison. He's not gonna. He would be like Styles gave me this bomb. Like you know, he didn't say that. So he. So <laughs> right. Nigitsune has minions. Who the hell are they? Like. Right. Maybe he can possess. Maybe he could jump into people at will and like quickly possess them and get them to do his bidding for a, a you know a hot second. And it's not like a dedicated minion, and it's just the Nigitsune traveling around in people, but yeah I don't know man i I was under the impression that yeah delivery man swiped the thing at the time that he put the boxes down, but I have no no genuine right. idea, yeah, it just it just
1: something about that for me was just like somebody else is doing this, like somebody else is involved, and I wanna know who, but yeah, no, Derek and Chris uh loved it, <laughs> oh
0: my God, and he was all like, Don't think if anything happens that I'll risk anything to save you.' <laughs> <laughs> and it's like And then
2: he, he does. And
0: then he does, <laughs> yeah. Aww. Oh it was and, and it was all it was like so automatic as well. It was like it wasn't like, oh, what do I do? Like he just jumped on Save. him, like automatically. Well, and, I,
2: and I loved
1: Chris's reaction afterward like the kind of grabbing him like are you okay like what what can i do and derek's just like i am okay like i'm i'll be okay like yeah. just it was just so it was like cute. oh
0: are you my new son like it was like so <laughs> it was so like oh uh, and I, yeah. as i said i couldn't stop thinking of of donya and her I have a couple of beers see where it goes and i'm just like i just need i just need um this chris and, and derek thing like I mean, to start off with, you know, it's, you know, interesting that, you know, Derek was that invested in, in protecting Styles uh, when he was, you know, going all like, oh, it, when he was the one sort of challenging Chris about whether he was planning to, to kill Styles. And then back in the day, Derek was all about killing people just in case they were some sort of supernatural thing. Uh, I don't know. It's It was just interesting. And, and this... This dynamic. I mean, there was no real resolution there. I mean, from the trailers, it looks like they're now in jail. Like they got that they weren't like, oh yeah, you get to go now. They're they're still in jail, so (laughs) should be fun.
2: Yeah, and somebody I'm trying to find it right now so I can give you know credit where credit is due. But somebody on Tumblr was like. Uh, you know, Chris kind of looks at him and is like, You know, thank you for making sure my daughter doesn't turn into an orphan when my family made you into one. And I was just like, Oh my God, there's so much history. And so many, like, unspoken feelings between the two of them. And I'm not talking about, like, shipping stuff right now. Like, I mean, you know, if you want to ship them, that's cool. I don't care. But I feel like there's just this really weird dynamic between the two of them that just kind of works because they're both really capable. You know, he's a great hunter and he's a good werewolf. And they should be at odds, but they're not. And if they find that they can work together, I think that they're going to be able to – Hopefully save Styles and kill the Negasonic and you know really kind of get Beacon Hills back to where it should be. Yeah,
0: it needs like a mentor buddy cop movie kind of. Yeah. Thing. Like yeah. yeah, let's make it happen. It was it was great and I was like, it's good that he's dealing with Zen Derek, not like super mad <laughs> Derek. Like yeah yeah. Definitely. Like it's, it's weird to see Derek have the upper hand or be on the high horse kind of thing. Do you remember when they met and he smashed Derek's window? like <laughs> yes <laughs> at the baseball bat like at the service station good times
1: yeah I like not how to s- mention it's nice that Derek has friends like aww. if Derek has a friend My God, like, what if aww. they
0: become best friends because he, does. <laughs>
1: friend. he doesn't have any of those really so I mean, it's he be, yeah nice.
0: he certainly doesn't have any of his own age they're all teenagers right so and it'd be interesting for him to have like an older friend who's not Peter like to like
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause Peter does not make a good friend. Let's just put no. that out there.
0: Not at all. Yeah.
2: Something from this scene that really caught my attention and actually kind of bothered me when you couple it with what he said earlier is when Derek basically says, Oh, I didn't think Styles was smart enough to frame us for murder. And you know, before he says, like, who would want to assess Styles because he's like this weak little human guy? And that part I kinda let slide by because, you know, he's surrounded by werewolves, it's true. But this is something that's actually been bothering me for a while for like a season or two, because sometimes I feel like styles is portrayed, at least in the beginning that he was portrayed as extremely smart, not Lydia level smart, but he's a smart kid. He just has problems concentrating. However, you know, sometimes like there was that one scene where his, you know, he didn't know what the word pendant meant. And like his dad's like, you know, it's a necklace. And then he's looking at, uh, the symbols on the chalkboard and he doesn't know that uh, K stands for potassium or maybe he just didn't know like where the K came from. I'm not really sure. But I feel like sometimes they dumb him down and this was kind of another instance of that and I don't know why. And I don't know, you know, how smart is style supposed to be?
0: I, I have sort of said this right from the beginning in terms of Uh, the way that I thought that he, you know, people not taking him seriously or, you know, like, people, you know, his dad's, like, workers at the station and and all of that kind of thing. Um, I feel like he, to the general public, is seen as not dumb, but, like, one of those hyperactive, going nowhere kind of people, if you know what I mean. I, I feel like that he is not, you know, known as someone who's in the running for valedictorian, you know, like I feel like he is, you know, he, he, yeah, that his capabilities are not not that well known and that he is just the sort of sidekick who happens to know about this stuff. So he pitches in where he can. I don't think Derek has really been exposed to uh, anything that Styles is, is genuinely capable of. And I, I just remember very clearly, like, back in, like, I think early season one, like, uh, Styles kind of automatically trying to grab the police radio in, in the car and his dad sort of slapping his hand away, like, really practice kind of movement. Like, I feel like that he's just, has just grown up being this person who's actually, you know, easily bored. And so that's the impression that he's bright, you know, but never really quote unquote, like applied himself and is just sort of,
2: yeah. That's sort kind of-, of how,
1: that's kind of how I've always seen Styles is like, he's a very bright kid, but because of his smart mouth and because of the way he it gets defensive about things like that, people don't have never really assumed that he's smart. So when it comes to like, when he's interested in something like when when Scott changed he got really really into it and wanted to know everything so he got online did the research and taught himself everything he could possibly find yeah so I feel like Styles is a very bright kid but just as far as book smarts go isn't necessarily at Lydia levels because he also has this like hyperactivity that he has to keep moving and has to be doing something
0: I think he's probably, like, easily bored and that, that he knows he's been a- taking in all this stuff about the supernatural because, hey, he's found something that's not boring to him. But, like, maybe school stuff, he's just like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Like, so he's not, like, automatically, you know, smart about everything and or putting that much time into anything or that reflective about anything because... You know, he is easily distracted, easily bored, and just did not care. Whereas this stuff, he's like, oh, my God, I'm fascinated and has gone sort of the opposite direction of, like, hyper-focused in, in this this department. But as I said, I don't really think Derek has ever, like, seen that in any way, like, been exposed to it.
2: Yeah. but it, I, I mean, that does make sense to me that Derek at least wouldn't necessarily know what level he's at, but I guess sometimes to me it's – it's like we get moments of him that are meant for like the audience where we're kind of reminded of how sometimes he might not know certain things. And I guess maybe it's just me always assuming that he was really intelligent, like, you know, close to Lydia's level, if not the same. Like I, I think she is smarter uh, because she knows like archaic Latin and stuff like that. But Uh, I always assumed that he was a very intelligent person and I guess when we get these moments of people either doubting him or we see him not know something that I feel like he should know it kind of just seems weird to me but I think you're right that maybe it has more to do with you know what interests him and, and where he decides to put his focus.
0: I, yeah I mean I genuinely don't have an answer for it because I'm the same in terms of I, I assume that he is this brilliant kind of person, but you know the way that you see the rest of the world react to him, whether it's his father or the teachers that have known him or the other um, other cops that have known him, it's definitely this impression of sort of good for nothing kid like and uh, it is weird to sort of get a reality check of like what he's like in the world and what he's like sort of from the view that we see him in the context of the pack or whatever. Uh, I mean, when Derek said that, I also almost thought he was like playing down his opinion of, of styles. Like that it wasn't what he really thought, but he kind of, I don't know, it, either that he was like covering up something to Chris, like, cause he thought that Chris was going to kill him. Like that, you know, he, he was making him more innocent or I couldn't tell if it was G- Derek's genuine thoughts or not. As well, but I don't know again if that was the sort of stiltedness that I sort of saw quite a bit through this episode, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of this might play into the whole idea that there could be two Nogitsune's because I think that it almost seemed. Like to me, like Allison, if she is one, she's sort of like the ringleader. She's the one being really subtle. Where, and I know, like, we have other posts too that we've put on uh, our Tumblr where people are talking about the fact that Styles is just the distraction. He's the one that's, you know, everybody's focusing on. So this other one can be the one to actually get certain stuff done. And we know that, you know, foxes, the nogitsune, the kitsune are trickster spirits. So that kind of falls in line with what they could possibly be doing. And so for styles to sort of be like, we're constantly being reminded, I think that styles is maybe not the one to be doing all of this, to be setting everything up.
0: When they kept talking through the episode, by the way, about, like, oh, don't trust the fox. Foxes trick people. All I can think about is how my fox is, like, literally the laziest, fattest, <laughs> dumbest thing. And sits there and doesn't move all day. And that the trickiest thing that she's ever done is, like, change direction while going around in a circle around the kitchen table when I'm trying to chase her out of the kitchen. She's like, no, I'm going to go the other way. And that's the worst that's the trickiest that she's ever been. So I feel like I feel like foxes, are, you know, real life foxes, perhaps are um, a little bit tricky in terms of they're good at opening stuff. But I I just keep laughing at the impression that they're giving of the fox as opposed to the kitsune because uh, I spend a lot of time with a fox and she she ain't she ain't tricking no one. She's so dumb. She's so <laughs> dumb, and she's. Very lazy. So, you know, maybe it's a special type of kitsune. Like...
2: (laughs) Very possible. Uh, In the next scene, Scott, you know, they end up in the aftermath of the bomb. He tries to heal an officer, but the officer dies, which had to have been horrible to go through. But Kira comes and warns them, because Styles is there too, that the Oni are coming. And they go to the vet clinic to keep Styles safe. And the Oni do show up. And we get, once again, Kira, you know, being awesome. And she totally kicks butt here. And I just love the way that Scott keeps looking at her like he's in total awe of her and it's amazing. I I like the two of them together so they much. They had
0: that They had that earlier in the episode as well, I think when she was holding mm-hmm. the electricity. They were very yeah, mad. Mm-hmm. like Oh, like he was like, "Oh my god, this girl, this girl's so cool." Uh but um I don't know, it was All I kept thinking about was, like, is this meant to be, like, the scene that is, like, I mean, this or the scene following it? I'm like, this is Tyler Posey's favorite scene ever? Like, really? Like, really? Because, (laughs) I mean, it was cool. But, like, uh, whether it was this or whether it was the the one following it, I'm like, you're such a boy. You just want to hit people (laughs) with swords. Like, this is your favorite (laughs) scene. Everyone was expecting some massive, like, emotional, like, crying moment. And while the scene following was quite horrible, he he just wants something that's like, sick, and like, I get to hit people with swords, or I get to get stabbed, like, I'm like, oh, Tyler Posey, I should have known that your favourite scene would (laughs) not be some emotionally draining thing, it would be something totally, totally badass, basically. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I think that the scene that he was referencing, because he specifically said it, it was a, st- a scene between him and Stiles, Yeah. that it was the scene afterwards when Styles basically knocks out Kira and then takes the sword and twists it inside of Scott. Mm. And, I mean, we talked at length last time about how amazing Dylan is, but this part really kind of freaked me out. It was after he he took all of the pain and the strife and the chaos that was inside of Scott because he kept trying to heal people and take their pain away. And he takes it and he's like, you know, you should have done your homework. Like you should know that the foxes are trickster spirits or whatever. And I, it didn't, it didn't look like Dylan to me. Like he no, formed there and yeah. it was actually terrifying. Yeah. The, I mean, the little, also, like, toying
1: with Scott that he did, uh, like, the tapping his fingers on it or pulling it, the, pulling the... it out just a little bit, like, yeah. oh.
0: When he walked up and he did that like, the finger tapping and was like, yeah, like, that, that little bit was, like, oh, really attractive, <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, but, yeah, really just, like, oh, my God, that was, like, That's, like, so subtle and so intense. And, yes, I I did think that he was talking about this scene, not, like, the whacking people in the rain. Like, I did think he was talking (laughs) about this scene. But still, it's not not what I was expecting him to say when he was, like, my favourite scene we've ever done. This is not what I was expecting. I was expecting the hug in the last episode, if you know what I mean. Like, I was expecting... I was not expecting him to, uh, as I said, some big, gross, badass kind of show-off. Like, that's not... I thought it was going to be some, like you know, Motel California stuff, not some like, like creepy stuff. But I don't know. And as I said, it's just so Tyler Posey to pick something that's like, <laughs> oh, it's creepy and gross. Yeah. Like kind of thing. But I yeah.
2: say that it was, uh, it kind of freaks me out too, because and I think Brooke might have said this at some point, but Scott looked into his friend's eyes, his best friend's eyes, someone he's known his whole life and saw the Nagitsune. He didn't see Styles in there and, and that I think is is a really important moment, and I think Scott kind of realizes now the gravity of the situation. And it does kind of freak me out. And I just I I kept feeling really bad for Scott this entire episode because he was trying to help so much, trying to help heal people and take away their pain and and trying to save styles. And in the end, I feel like nothing he did was really nothing worked. And in the end, he was playing right into the Nugitsune's hands. And I just I felt terrible for him.
1: Yeah, it's like the the person that he's always counted on to be a step ahead. Like he's always counted on Styles to help and to, you know, give him the clue that will, you know, jog his memory and help him to, you know, save the day or whatever. It, he's always kind of depended on Styles, and now after this episode, like he can't. He knows that even when it looks and feels like Style, he cannot depend on the fact that that is really Styles because it might not be. And that I think is what just is going to affect Scott more than anything is that right now he cannot be sure who he's talking to which Uh, is so
2: scary when you're talking about your best friend somebody that you feel like you should know inside and out yeah but if you've got a handy dandy vet on call
0: I hate him I him. (laughs) I don't know why Karen I've never hated him this much in this episode I just feel like he just I feel like he will Try and kill Styles, like, and not tell Scott, if you know what I mean. Like, I feel like that he will let Scott think that, oh, well, we tried to kill Scott, you know, we tried to just kill the thing and not kill Styles, and that he will easily just be like, yeah, kill Styles and make Scott think that he was trying not to. If, like,
2: yeah, this is. Uh, it's. I mean, I've always really liked Deaton. I've said it before that I felt like morale was sort of, you know, they were both standing on a line and morale was kind of on the other side of the line where Deaton was on the good side. And so I really liked him, but I was getting some really bad vibes off of him in this episode. And I I kind of do wonder how far he's going to go with this, but something else that really stuck out to me was in the beginning of the episode, actually, when he holds up the moss and he's like, it's stronger than you might think. That's exactly what he said about the kids in, gosh, that was, was that season two or was oh, that no, right the beginning of season ago. three? But I, yeah, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe they're setting us up to think that he's could be going down the wrong path because they're meant to be there for balance. It's not necessarily about, you know, good and evil. We saw that with Morell, that they're just sort of there to do a certain job. And I kind of wonder if we're meant to start believing that maybe Deaton is heading down this darker path, but in the end he knows that whatever he does, like, Styles, will be okay.
0: Like, he, you know, because he knows Scott would never consent to be like, oh, yeah, we got to kill Styles. Like, he knows that Scott would never do that. And so it reminds... What it made me instantly think of is actually, and I, I mean, I, I, I compared to Buffy too much, but it, may, but it made me think, but, you know, characters do kind of repeat themselves, like, tro- you know, tropes do exist. And it reminded me of kind of the end of season five of Buffy when, I, I don't know if you guys have both seen it, but um, with uh, Glory living inside the, like, med student, Ben, and he is you know, Ben is a complete innocent who's just basically inhabited by Glory and Buffy never thinks of getting rid of Glory by killing Ben's body and she would never think of it or never do it but while she's off distracted trying to save Dawn, Giles is like, yeah, she would never do this but I know this is going to work so I'm just going to kill you, sorry. And he does. And it made me think of that. That's kind of what it made me think of and yeah. uh, and I don't know, I... I Deaton, I'm just not feeling him. I don't like him, and I'm I'm not here for him. And I I mean, though, I had one question about this whole Wolf Moss thing. When you know, last episode where all we saw of Deaton was a, a text being like, uh, you know, still working on it. Like, do we think that like? Scott and Deaton have one of their, like, long-running, like, plans, like they did with Gerard and the Pills, like, that we're not seeing? Like, was that still working on it? Mm-hmm. is that why we haven't seen him, because he's been in Japan the whole time? Like,
2: Maybe, but I feel like Scott was pretty surprised, so I have a feeling he didn't really know what was going on.
0: Because I feel like that – or did Deaton sort of – is that why Deaton's been, like, absent? Because, you know, he, he went off on his own accord, because – um, you know, take, I mean, it doesn't take technically take more than two days to get to Japan, but like, you know, do you think he went to Japan since Styles has been missing and just gotten there and then been there for 12 hours and poisoned the dog and like everything? Like, I think, you know, Deaton was in Japan, maybe as soon as they knew there were Kitsunes on a around, uh, you know, and the timing is just something that confused me and, and or if Deaton already knew what was going on or if Scott and Deaton have been having their little private powwows that we don't see until afterwards in flashbacks. Like that's kind of made me think it like if they already knew styles was something when styles was like, I think I'm doing a thing. Like, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, the last time we saw Deaton before this episode was what anchors. Was yeah, the, the first, first episode. episode? Like, I mean, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. And, he hasn't done anything, and Scott hasn't specifically said, you know, oh, I saw Deaton, he's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, once he figured out that it had anything to do with Kitsune, maybe he went off to Japan in search of answers or something. Yeah. He, he is, you know, Celtic. Like, I mean, his, you know, the, the Druid thing is supposed to be Celtic, so maybe he didn't really know... A lot about that and, so he went off to figure it out i mean
0: in the last episode all they saw scott get a text from him just saying working on it or whatever like still yeah. working on it and you know do you think that was sent like from japan like that he already knew like that like how did he already know about the about uh the you know nagitsune and and that chris saw you know like did he get that story from yeah. Scott like you know when did he go to Japan like maybe maybe he went a few days ago like maybe he went on like Halloween or whatever like I don't know like like once they knew there was an aguitsune regardless of who it was but you know he knew it was inside a teenage boy so he's clearly being kept in the loop uh, regardless yeah uh, the timing of that really kind of confused me though but yeah I think that he is I think he does not give much He just looks more emotionless. I don't know if he's like a jolly, jolly man thing was like a joke. Not a joke, but like, I don't know if that was like a cover-up, like in earlier episodes before they knew he was like a druid. I'm sorry, but Scott has been a werewolf for so long, had been a werewolf for so long when he found out that Deaton was his emissary. Like, why wouldn't you be like straight up? Like, yep, so this is the deal. Like, he's (laughs) useless or he's working for himself or he's, he's, I don't like him. I've come to really not like him. And I feel bad about that, but I do. I don't.
2: Well, I feel like for the first time, I'm really uncertain about him and that there's this possibility that he could have this other agenda. Yeah. And so it, yeah, it's kind of freaking me out too. I just, I definitely got bad vibes from him this episode and I'm going to be interested to know Mm. where they end up taking his character. But that was basically the end of the episode. Uh, we don't have any real feedback this time because basically I just wanted to talk about uh, a couple of things, which actually we touched on everything already. But the one thing I wanted to bring up was Katie, the alpha of the week, who yep. was on Wolf Watch, um, who I guess likes the podcast. So hi, Katie. Oh. And um, Aww. yeah. This is a thing and yeah she's she's really cool and I really enjoyed what she did not only on the show I mean she was only on there for a couple of seconds but that was a quality fall in the the puddle of water and also you know being on Wolf Watch she had a lot of really great things to say and one of the things she said was when I watched Teen Wolf I saw this underlying theme of a pack being a family you choose and I feel like you can't sum up Teen Wolf any better than that? Yeah. and it just it really hit me hard because I truly believe that friends are kind of the family that you get to choose, and I just I really loved what she had to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been basically a long a long running like I have all these thoughts like what we were just what I was sort of just saying about Buffy. I have all of these like thoughts that I've uh, tried very hard to sort of put into words on paper. I found it very difficult, but in terms of like the, the idea of like a, an article or the idea of like a, a blog post or something about why Teen Wolf is the new Buffy in terms of themes. And the biggest one, like my first point on that list, which I've tried to write about and I just don't have the brains to do it, but is found family. It's like it's a show based around found family. And that's so true with Teen Wolf and it was so true with Buffy and it's so true with many things in life. And I think that that's, like, just a really, you know, important thing, like people being thrown together in, in situations and, and becoming, you know, a family or or more. And, you know, it's why I picked that line with Melissa at the start of this episode as well, because I do think it's a, a massive theme and one that is is very comparable to you know, shows where people love the relationships, even if it's, like, Glee and their stupid Glee Club. Like, it's, it's a really, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's a really important thing and and it kind of challenges, you know, the tradi- traditional ideas of family, which, you know, are important to some people, but, you know, other people think that they're not necessarily that important in the world anymore, like, just because you grow up with someone or just because someone gave birth to you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get along with them or, like, you know whatever and it's yeah it is very important basically
1: and what a beautiful like message to impart every day in her classroom to her kids like they're a pack like they talk about being a pack and how she like uses it for the vocab lessons and you know it's something they're interested in that they all clearly enjoy and she's more than happy to like watch it and you know love the show and run with it like that's just it's so it's so great. Like, it's there, there's just nothing better than a teacher who's willing to go to those lengths and to, you know, see these themes and work them into lessons that are about things we need to know. You know, history and math and English and be able to also give things like, you know, you're, you, you can find a family, not just the one you're born into that, you know, love you unconditionally more often than not. You also can go out and find people that you want to bring into your own family like that's a really great message
2: yeah and let's be real if my middle school or high school teachers had used Teen Wolf <laughs> for math lessons I would be oh my a lot better at it <laughs> so much better me too <laughs> uh, do you have a non sequitur for us this time Natalie
0: yeah so basically non sequitur time I didn't actually think one up before the episode I thought one up during the episode uh and it's actually slightly relating to uh what you were saying about Mr. Captain America Parish which is (laughs) basically I was going to just ask Marvel or DC and your favorite character from whichever of your chosen ones
2: that's mean that's so hard is it it
0: is Uh, yes (laughs) Do you want me to go first? <sighs> okay. Bl- yes. Blank pause for like okay, half an I'll, hour while everyone okay. thinks about it. All right.
1: Right now. And I mean right now, because
0: like today, this could
1: change. Just... It, right. Like this could change in a week. This could change in a month. This could change whenever. Um, I have always been, and I was a huge Smallville fan when it was on. Mm. Um, so I've always kind of been more of a DC girl. Mm. Um, and I've always loved the Superman story and Lois Lane is one of my heroes. And yeah. Um, so I'm going to go DC, but not Superman because I am obsessed with the green arrow right now. Um, I love the CW show. I loved uh, Justin Hartley's interpretation of it on Smallville. And I've gotten very much into the Oliver Queen story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to say Oliver Queen is my favorite as Green Arrow. And it's more or less because he's kind of like Batman in that he, like, he's not a, a born hero. He's not he's an alien created, from outer space. Yeah. yeah, Like he's created his own his own need to be a hero, and I really, really like
2: that. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with Marvel, and this is not just because of all of the reboots and stuff. Like, not reboots. Universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Marvel not just because you know, of that.
0: Is, uh, yeah.
2: yeah, it's a huge thing. Um, But I really was obsessed with X-Men when I was younger and I used to watch the, the cartoons and all of that. So that's always been like really huge for me and Storm was always my favorite. However, um I have to go with Iron Man slash Tony Stark is my favorite because I think what they've been doing in the Iron Man movies is absolutely incredible and the third one completely destroyed me and I could write you a 25 page essay about that movie I because I really haven't
0: seen the third one oh my god it's oh, so I good it. I can download it today I can watch it tonight. please because seriously the podcast will be late I was watching it <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: um... but Karen approves so it's okay but no seriously that movie movie like the the places that they took Tony's character and all the things that happened to him and the reactions of like what he feels like after the big event which was in the Avengers movie I think is just like uh it's so good. It's so good.
0: <laughs> um okay so I kind of am a bit mixed up on this because basically my favorite comic My favourite comic book characters are um, from Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is like Vertigo, which is an imprint of DC. Uh, But it's not the traditional style DC characters in terms of, like, the superheroes, though some of them, like, uh, the Justice League does kind of come into it a little bit. Um, But they are very much non, like, not, not the kind of, like, normal dc characters and and that's kind of my favorite my favorite dc creation is is dream from sandman uh but generally in terms of like the you know superhero movies and and stories and tv i kind of i i ha- i like marvel um i like marvel because i i did like x-men a lot but I, but with the Avengers characters and the X-Men characters, you know, in their various uh, comics and movies and all of that, they have more. And I mean, it's pretty clear with Tony Stark. It's it's clear with a lot of the characters. I feel like they have more more of their lead characters are a kind of flawed person um, or a or a kind of slightly slightly negative person, whereas um DC has, has been a bit more black and white or, but, but Batman is very complex and I haven't seen much of, of the new green arrow stuff. So I think that those kind of ideas are, are melding in terms of, you know, the DC being black and white superheroes, um, you know, and, and Marvel being like sort of complex antiheroes. I think that that's, that's blending a lot now in the, in terms of the Marvel cinematic universe and new stuff. I love Loki and I love. I, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, suck, I'm a sucker. <laughs> for like, I, well, I'm a sucker for like redemption stories, and I just I, I think I've talked about it on this podcast again. I think that anyone that sees like Loki in the cinematic universe and thinks that that's like a cut and dried villain and that there's not like a massive redemption arc going on there is like doesn't understand storytelling. Like I think I've actually discussed this before, but but yeah, I, I love Thor himself as well. And, but I think I grew up liking Spider-Man like a lot, like the best, like when I was younger, um, I think that he's the most traditional, um, he's the one superhero that I kind of used to think like when I was really young, like I used to think was DC when he's actually Marvel, like that he's like the more of the traditional, you know, costume, superhero power, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, Batman kind of thing. But I like, you know, that he's a teenager and I like that he's like sassy and, and yeah Spider-Man's definitely the one I sort of grew up attached to I guess but X-Men was also a big a big thing for me. I'm I'm just talking uh I'm just rambling now I didn't have a very good answer for this either. I just thought about it cuz you said Captain America. Um, basically <laughs> I don't know. So everyone's telling me that I need to, to need to watch Arrow though. So
2: I It's actually Arrow. really good. Yeah, I've I seen am- the first season. It's good. I, And it has gotten
1: really, really amazing in second season. And they are giving Colton Haynes a lot to work with. And it's it's really, really great. Like, I I was so upset with him leaving Teen Wolf because I really, really loved him and loved Jackson. And yeah, was, I you loved know, Jackson. I was so anxious to see where that was going and what they were going to do with him. And, you know, he left and I was really upset about it. And then I finally got started on Arrow, like, probably three four weeks ago now Mm. and just seeing where they've taken that character and where he's gonna be going what's what's on the forefront for him like it's really great stuff and i can see why he just was like i can't turn this down like i have to (laughs) so it's it's a really great show they're doing a really great job
0: yeah
2: i'm still bitter though
0: yeah i (laughs) i know i I know yeah i I know that it's like a more high profile show but i loved jackson so much and i think that he could have had such such good stories as well so oh well it's a pity he can't do both uh, i know i know maybe maybe he'll dramatically die on arrow and then triumphantly return <laughs> to oh sorry um so is he like a little boy sidekick to like the arrow man
1: um not really uh he plays this kid named roy harper yeah who I am not a huge like comic book geek. I've always loved superheroes and I've always loved comic book movies and the TV shows and stuff, but I've never really gotten into the comics. So I know Roy Harper has a history in the Green Arrow story, like in the comics, um, but I don't know what it is. And uh, in the show, he's just basically this like hard knock kid from like the rough end of town who kind of befriends uh, Oliver's younger sister. Yeah. And so their interaction starts out like the most important, but like shortly into first season, he starts to have interactions with the arrow, with the hood, as he's called back then. And uh, that becomes really important to him, like. Finding out who Arrow is, finding out who the Hood is, and why he's doing what he's doing, and all that—like it becomes really, really important to him. And so you're starting to see now, um, like what Roy Harper's bigger role is going to play. Like they just started getting into that before they had to take a break for the Olympics. So oh,
0: well, it's gonna be good. I shall, I shall work it. Out. How about I do that? I'll watch Iron Man three, and I'll watch all of Arrow so far, and this podcast will come out in 14 weeks from now. <laughs> Like, like <laughs> oh dear. Um, So much
1: to watch, so little time.
0: Yeah, for real. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so sorry about that random, messy, and and complex question. Um, for everyone, but, <laughs> but yeah. What I've can just say?
2: stopped apologizing for our random like ramblings because it happens every week. People should just know by now. It should
0: be a cut and dried question, like, can you drive? Yes, no. <laughs> like. Um, you know, or something like that. I can't, by the way. Um, Karen can, but won't drive. I
1: can now. Oh, yeah? I just got my license this past October. Prior to that, I hadn't.
0: I have never. So, there you go. I've driven behind the wheel of a car twice in my entire life. Both of them, like, in, like, a parking lot of, like, some friend who let me drive their car. It was a bad choice. Um, and, yeah, I'm 27, (laughs) and I can't drive. And, yes, uh, that's fine. For
2: me, i hate off. driving really LA? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i i really hate it i don't even go on the highway
0: oh
2: yeah
1: i had a an irrational fear of it and i refused to, to learn because i didn't really need to and it became very apparent that i needed to and yeah. i am you know i'm 28 years old and i just got my license in october so it's like See, you know what
0: i this is my thing like i think i'm in the same position as you but I don't know what you guys. This is meant to be a yes or no, cut and dry question. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! We do <laughs> it. Um, yeah, but here we have this thing basically where you ha- you get your learner license, like you do a-, a written test or whatever, and you're like, oh okay, I can I can start learning to drive now. And you have to put learner plates on your car, like on the front that says you're a learner. You're only allowed to drive with those with another adult who's got a lot, like who has a license, uh, with them. Uh, so you have to rack up a certain amount of hours with the, with a licensed driver supervising you drive. It used to be 60 hours of that before you could take your physical test and drive on your own. It's now 120 hours of that. Um, it, to to take uh, so you have to have 120 hours recorded with some licensed driver supervising you um, with learner plates before you can take your physical test to drive alone here. And I don't know if you guys have anything like that here in America. And 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 for that, it's like, if your parent isn't willing to drive you around, you have to pay for 120 hours of lessons. So like,
1: it's pretty much the same process. We don't have the, the number of hours uh, is only applicable if you're less than 18, I believe. Like if you're under 18, when you're going for your license you have to have 50 hours with an instructor if you're over 18 you just basically drive until you're like comfortable and ready and once you are then you can go and take your test
0: yeah that does not happen here but the, <laughs> the drive until you're comfortable and ready does it have to be like
1: with the license driver and
0: do you have to get a, a pre-license for that or do you just get in the car without a license
1: you have to get your temporary permit yeah and it's like a piece of paper and this other thing marking on your like ID card that tells yeah. them that you're a temporary permit holder. Okay.
0: And so if you're, if you have that and you're in a car and a cop finds you and you have no man, no driver with you, they're like, that's, the yeah, way. you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So similar thing, but yeah, we have a lot of hours and I don't know if I have that many hours to learn to drive, <laughs> like, but maybe, if I did, I could drive us all around Vitecon and be like, yeah, we're going around L.A., but as it is, no one will drive in L.A. Karen and Courtney are too scared, and Donya and I don't have licenses for the USA. So, yay. All right. See, that was that's what happens when apparently we ask a yes or no question. We have to explain <laughs> our yes or no. Jeez. All right. We should, we should sign off, I guess. So, sorry about that, guys. Next week is episode Echo House, which is uh, – when Styles finally checks himself into a mental institution voluntarily, uh, and apparently kisses someone who might be Malia Tate, and if she is actually Peter Hale's son, then Styles definitely has a thing for Hale's girl, Hale, for Hale girls, because you know we had that unfulfilled promise of Cora, and uh, mm. and now this, but we shall see. Um, it could be the Nigitsune doing a hookup and it not actually being Styles, we don't know, but I think the more important thing is that he is going to be having some trouble in, in the mental institution, and that should be a fun time for everyone really. <laughs> or not. Maybe not. Oh yeah. Maybe not. So yeah. fun. <laughs> um, and that's episode 20 of, is it going to be of 22 this season, or of 24?
2: 24.
0: Okay, so we've got four more to go after that. <sighs> <sighs> Very stressful. Very stressful. It is. Okay. Do we have any news on like the season four premiere date at all?
2: Uh I read something that said it is gonna debut this summer, so
0: So only a short break between the end of this and, and season four then?
2: Yeah, a couple Which of months I think. Which okay. makes me really excited. I didn't want to wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. Okay. Well I guess that we will uh finish up now and say goodbye to everyone. And we'll see you all next week with a, another guest host for you. And Karen and I shall return as usual. And in the meantime, you can always get in touch with us on our Twitter, which is podcast, or on our Tumblr, which is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com, or email us on natwpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hang out with us on the post at hyperball where this podcast will live. I was going to say, "Kristen, do you have a, a Twitter or a Tumblr that you sort of interact with the fandom on?"
1: Yes, Twitter. Um it is crazy85k r a n z i e 85. Um and I have a Tumblr, but I'm not on it nearly as often, so yeah, I don't even can't even tell you what my handle is. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> but I'm around, so <laughs> if you want to follow Kristen or add her, you can do that, and we will say thank you very much to her for Coming on to hang out with us and talk about Teen Wolf. Anytime. Yes. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I guess we shall say bye now. So bye bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> We'll see you all next week with a new surprise celebrity guest host for you.
2: (laughs) Do do you know something
0: I don't know? (laughs) No. I'm just calling calling all our guest celebrities. What? Okay. All right. right, Totally. I sound like I'm totally implying something and I'm not. Um, Maybe I'll I'll have to edit this out. Uh. It's like,
1: keep expectations low,
2: everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know who's going to guess next week yet. I have to decide.
0: Okay. All right. I'll, <laughs> let's redo that. So...